To type in to your search engine of choice the expression urban tales. And uh, you won't have to scroll too far before you come across the story, the tale of the man with the dreadlocks who had a constant pain just behind his ear. And uh, he went to the doctors. They couldn't figure out what it was. He tried everything, couldn't get rid of it, all sorts of medications. One day, as it happens, he decided to shave his dreadlocks off and go with the uh, bold look. And uh, when the hairdresser got to that part of his head, discovered a whole colony of redback spiders that were behind his ear, biting away. Now, of course, that story is not true. Because you don't have to go months with a redback spider. You won't go months with a redback spider gnawing away at your skull. You won't go more than a few hours. But it's there. It's called an urban tale, and there are plenty more. Type in urban myths. And you'll see a whole list of things that uh, people purport to believe. You'll, t- you'll see the urban myth, or, or is it, that the direction that the water travels down your toilet's cistern to wherever it goes next, goes in a different direction rotationally in the northern hemisphere than in the southern hemisphere. Did you know that? Did you know it's also not true? It's an urban myth. My toilet doesn't even swirl. It just goes. I must live on the equator according to that particular myth. Are you swirling? Last week we talked about, or I I, I caught you up with the truth around the urban myth that you can see the Great Wall of China from space. Some of you, I suspect, still don't believe me. So, yep. No wall there, at least not from space. See, here's the thing. There's urban tales, there's urban myths, and look, you can believe them or not believe them. They're probably not going to trip you up in life too much. But there are are certain cultural proverbs that are labeled spiritual, that sound spiritual, that even sound like they're in the Bible. And... uh, If they are in the Bible, that's good. Build our life on them. If they're not in the Bible and we build our life on them, that's not so good. See, the great news is that when someone says you can see the Great Wall of China from space, which was first put forward in the 1930s by Robert Ripley, there was no one in space back then. And they eventually sent a monkey. Monkey couldn't come back and tell them whether he could see the Great Wall of China or not. (laughs) What's it? Um, Eventually, humans went there, discovered that you can't see the Great Wall of China from space. By the way, just a little bit of trivia, the Chinese refused to believe the first astronauts, and it wasn't until the Chinese sent their first astronaut up in 2003 that they went, huh, they tell truth all time. It's 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 not a criticism. It's just an observation suspicious Chinese government thing. We can actually, we hear something like that. You, we don't have to even go into space to find out whether or not you can see the Great Wall of China. We just have to go to Google Earth, type in Great Wall of China, and zoom out. Same thing, it's more accessible than ever. Same thing with stuff God may or may not have said. 
more than ever, we can actually find it out. There was a time where, where people didn't own a Bible. And what would happen is you would have to go to the priest who's the only one that could speak the language because it was in Latin, and he was the only one who had a copy. And if you wanted to find out what God said, you had to go to the priest. Now, the Bible's free. You can actually download the app onto your smart device. It's free. Now, it's priceless, and it's free. And, 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 and you didn't even have to know whether Corinthians comes before Philippians or whether Genesis is the first book or the last book. You don't have to know any of that because it's got a search bar. Just, hmm, I heard this thing that God might have said. Let me check that out. You don't even have to have a copy of the Bible app. You can just go into your search program and type stuff in. Easier than ever. And the reason I would encourage us, yeah, it's not about necessarily just filtering cultural axioms. It's actually about being the sort of people the sort of church who know God's word, who take God's word very seriously and who build our lives on the foundation of God's word. Because if we build our lives on the foundations of stuff God never said, God doesn't guarantee to back that. It's like building your life on shifting sand. Thankfully, God does promise to guarantee to back what he says, but we need to know whether he's actually said stuff or not. And so last week, we talked about, as just mentioned uh, a moment ago, this cultural proverb that sounds spiritual, God just wants you to be happy. And the fact is that God never said that. Now, if you weren't here last week, and you've just heard me now this morning say that God never said he just wants you to be happy, listen to the podcast because I'm not saying God wants you to be unhappy, and I didn't say that last week, and I'm not about to go when we finish this series and start a new series called Mark Never Said That. You just have to figure it out for yourself. It's all there. It's on record. This week, I want to talk about something that God never said, which is actually the number one. We're going to unpack four things God never said in four weeks. This week is the one that I've heard the most in two decades of church leadership. And there's a good chance that you've heard it. And possibly, you may have, in a well-meaning setting, even said that. Now, I can group the people in this room, typically, majority of you anyway, into three categories. Those of you that have just come through a challenging season, some of you would fall into that category. Those of you that are currently in a challenging season, some of you would fall into that category. And, I hate to break it to you, some of you fall into the category of people who don't know it yet, but you're about to go into a challenging season. Have you ever noticed that in life we encounter challenging seasons? Is that like breaking news to anybody? Has anybody never experienced a challenging season ever? Good. At least you guys are honest. And it might be financial pressures. It might be a bad report from the doctor. It might be relationships that are blowing up. It might be job instability. Maybe that you're battling depression. It could be something else outside of that. But the fact of the matter is, life regularly throws more at us than we can handle. And, and, and we often find ourselves at the point where we just exclaim that I can't handle this anymore. Whatever this is. And then along comes a well-meaning Christian with some well-intentioned 
comfort and says to you, ah, God never gives you more than you can handle. Anyone ever heard that? It's the one, it's the one I've heard the most. And the truth of the matter is, God never said that. You may have, <laughs> but God never said that. The consequence, if we believe that, that God won't give us more than we can handle, is that whenever we're faced with a situation or faced with the potential of being exposed to more than we can handle, we may actually run from that. We may actually retreat from that. We may actually opt for the path of least resistance. The problem with the path of least resistance is it's also the path of least growth. You don't believe me? Late last year, we taught a series called Stretch Marks. It was all about that. That the following Jesus won't exempt us from challenging situations. In fact, our contention is that saying you are following Jesus but not actually following him, that's the recipe for avoiding challenging situations because actually Jesus will often lead us into challenging situations very deliberately to stretch us, to cause us to grow. So why is it then that people, some people, believe that God said he'll never give you more than you can handle? Well, here's one. I got a couple of explanations. Here's one of them, something that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. They're both from, from letters he wrote to the church in Corinth. And this is what he wrote to them. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what other, others have had to face. Well, that's good news. You know, like, if you're in a testing situation or a tempting situation, understand others have gone through it as well. Well, that's cool. I'm not the only one. That's, maybe that's a little bit of comfort. I don't know. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. That's good. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. Full stop. See, I told you. God will never give you more than you can handle. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. Full stop. Problem is, punctuation matters. I know not when you're sending text messages, but when you're writing the Bible, punctuation matters. There's not a full stop there. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit, semicolon. That's not winky smiley face. That's a semicolon. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Never let you be pushed past your limit. You'll face tests. You'll face temptations. You won't get pushed past your limits. Why? Because God will always be there. He didn't say you'll never face tests or temptations. He didn't say when you do, you'll have to get through them on your own. This idea that God will never give you more than you can handle, you know the actual truth of it is God will never give you more than you can handle comma, on your own. That's what God said. He didn't say God will never give you more than you can handle. He said, God, I'll never give you more than you can handle on your own. Let me show you this picture. This is uncanny. 
It's like looking in the mirror. Um, why are you laughing? Oh. I don't know. You don't know which one to look at. It's, it's like, it's a toy cost. Toin cost? I just said toin cost. I actually meant to say coin toss, of course, but I said toin cost. Arnie's distracting me. It's just distracting. So, so this is Arnie, if you didn't already realize that. You know you're famous when you just say Arnie and everyone, of all the people in the world called Arnold, you know who you're talking about. He is not the only bodybuilder on the planet. He's not the only Mr. Olympia, Mr. Universe on the planet, but he's de- definitely become, in folklore, the most famous. Uh, when Arnie went to the gym, Gold's Gym, well, Jim, he didn't just lift the two kilo dumbbells. Six thousand and four. Feeling the burn yet, Arnie? Hmm. No, it's actually pretty easy. He didn't. In fact, if his limit was five hundred kilos. He wouldn't even just lift 500 kilos because his goal was to grow. And if he only lifted his limit, 500 kilos, he wouldn't grow, he'd just maintain. Right? Problem is, though, if he wanted to lift beyond his limit of 500 kilos, let's say he was bench pressing, there's a problem. It's called gravity. And he may have, may have got that 500 kilos off the bar on the bench, but if, if he put 520 kilos on the bar, that bar is coming down and ain't going back up again because it's beyond his limit, right? But he would do that. He would pick the 520, not just the 500, because he wanted to grow. So what was the trick? What was the secret? Let me let you in. Here's Arnie's secret. It's not a secret after this morning. It's called having a spotter. It's the one on the far side. His name's Joe Weeder. Famous for launching bodybuilding magazine and uh, many competitions around the world. Arnie would have a spotter. See, he's not lifting the three kilo barbell, unless those are made of polystyrene, but I don't think they are. He's benching more than he can handle. He's benching beyond his limit. But he didn't do it on his own. See, the concept of a spotter is that Arnie may have been able to pump out three reps on his own, but, but, but in order to grow, he had to try and get four or even five. But he wouldn't go for four or five on his own. He'd have to do a lot of the work. He wouldn't just be able to end a three, put it on the bar, and then pay someone else 50 bucks to do the last two and expect to grow. He still had to stay in there but he'd stay in there with the assistance of a spotter. And that spotter, if you, if you haven't been to the gym uh, with Arnie lately, the spotter's job is when you get to that fourth, that, that you're getting it most of the way and you're working and, and they recognize that you're beyond your limit, but you're still pushing because you want to grow, that spotter will get in behind you and they'll just, they'll just, they'll just give it. Now, and a good spotter, the good spotter says this, you've got it, it's all yours. It's yours, it's all yours, which it's not, because if it was, you wouldn't need a spotter. But you say that because it makes you, yeah, it's mine, yeah. 
and you get to four. Come on. And then a good spotter goes, another one. Come on, another one. And you go, no, no. Yeah, you can do it. No. And you do it because you want to grow. But you're not doing it on your own. Doing it with a spotter. God will not give you more than you can handle on your own. But God never intended us to tackle more than we can handle when it comes our way, which it does, on our own. And you read your Bible, you'll see it is replete with people that God called to do stuff that they said, there's no way I can handle that. God called Gideon out. Gideon said, I'm the least of my people. Surely you made a mistake here. Here's my CV. It's pathetic. And God said, yep, what I've called you to do, you can't handle it on your own. That's why I'm calling you, because you're going to depend on me. Moses, Moses, I want you to go to speak to the Pharaoh, the guy that's got your entire nation of Israel in captivity. I want you to go to speak to him. And Moses goes, but I stutter. And God's like, I know. That's why I'm choosing you. Because when you go to Pharaoh, you know you can't do it on your own. But I'm not calling you to do it on your own. I'm calling you to go to Pharaoh to do more than you can handle on your own. But I'm not asking you to do it on your own. Joshua, I'm going to talk about him in a, in a minute. In fact, so much so, Joshua, uh, I mean Jonah. Jesus, Jonah, Joshua, goodness gracious. Uh, Jonah, God called to go and preach to a, a nation called the Ninevites. And, and Jonah's response, instead of going towards Nineveh, was to get in a boat and go in the exact opposite direction because he knew he couldn't do it. So why does God allow us to have more than we can? And just by the way, sometimes God gives us a bit more than we can handle, a calling, an assignment. Sometimes, whilst he doesn't give it to us, he, he allows it. But you and I both know that there are seasons in life where we are faced with more than we can handle. Why does God do it? Look, real simple. I think there's two main reasons. The first one, I just started alluding to it, is that when we are faced with more than we can handle, it hopefully forces us to depend on God's presence. Because what I've noticed is when we're not in the midst of challenging circumstances or a challenging season, the risk is that our sense of urgency for God's presence decreases. Think of it this way. You ever been on a plane, flying on a plane? Man, I love flying on planes. I, I love them for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is I just think it's, it's, it's marvelous. I mean... <laughs> 30,000 feet in the air with several hundred other people in a metallic cylinder <laughs> and it's staying in the air. It's incredible. And you know, you get into the flight, take off, you know, and then the, and then the, the, the pilot says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just like to know, we've reached our, reached our cruising altitude now. The seatbelt signs are now off. Please feel free to walk around the cabin. Uh, of course, when you're in your seat, please keep your 
a safety belt fastened. The cabin crew will be coming through shortly with a safety demonstration and followed by some refreshments if you choose to have them. And you settle in. And you start pushing the little touchscreen thing on the back of the seat. What am I going to watch? And you start scrolling through the movies, the TV, the games. And uh, the hostess comes around, the host, and you think, you forget that they're hosts. You start to think of them as waiters and waitresses. Because they bring food and beverages. And, and you sit. And, and if you're like Louis, you, you put your feet up uh, directly on the seat back in front of you without bending your knees and settle in for the long flight. She's not here. What can I say? I survived our anniversary. This one, podcast, not so much. And you settle in. Have you ever been in that, that kind of a flight situation where you, you, you're kind of so comfortable and you enjoy the movie and all that, you actually kind of even forget you're 30,000 feet in the air, right? Like, Another wine? Have you ever been in those situations and then suddenly, out of nowhere, turbulence hits? What's the lag time between you enjoying your wine and you starting to pray like Jesus is sitting next to you? Sense of urgency, sense of urgency goes up in turbulent times. When, when, when it's only ever smooth sailing, we can, we can start to depend on ourselves. We can start to depend on our resources, our experience, our smarts, our chops. One of the advantages of challenging seasons is it forces us to depend on God's presence. Jonah, I told you I was gonna throw him under the bus. God had called him to go and preach to the group Nineveh, turn from your ways, turn to God. And it terrified him and he turned from God and, and himself ran in the other direction. Got in a boat, got thrown overboard, got caught in a big fish, a stomach of a big fish. He's in a fish. Big fish. It's a challenging season. He's in a big fish. Went in one end and came out the other. It's been a big fish. It's a challenging season. Very little control over the season. It's been a big fish. What's my future? What's next? I don't know. He's in a fish. Never been in a fish before. What would you do? Tickle, tickle, tickle. I don't know. What? You don't think about this stuff? It's the Bible, mate. This stuff's fantastic. He's in a fish. A flipping big fish. But he's in it. Stay out of it. He didn't caught it. It ain't him. This is not a good time to be Jonah. So what did he do? He'd run from God's presence. Then he found himself in a bit of turbulence. Then Jonah prayed. <laughs> Pretty smart move, huh? To his God, the truth teller, from the belly of the fish. He prayed. He wasn't praying like this when he went in the fish. He wasn't praying like this when he was in the boat. 
he was putting on the, the refoil and asking for the drink with the umbrella. Now he's in a fish. In trouble. Deep trouble. <laughs> I like that. It's like, it's funny to me. He's in a fish. I'm in deep trouble. It's like, it's not a metaphor. <laughs> I prayed to God. And he answered me. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God. Ah, forgot about him, did you? Yeah, well, of course. Of course I forgot about him. I didn't need him. I was on a boat, cruise ship. It was lovely. Drinks with umbrellas, refoil. My life was slipping away. I remembered God. And my prayer got through to you. Made it all the way to your holy temple. God doesn't ignore us just because we've been ignoring him. It's good news, right? Right? But, and, 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 and remember this, you know, God allows us to get into challenging seasons because hopefully, hopefully, our response is to depend on his presence. Even if we've been ignoring him, we come back to him, he doesn't ignore us. <laughs> Excuse me, it's been a while. That's what your mom says if you haven't called her recently. God doesn't do that. That's what my mom does, isn't it? Yeah, nice to hear your voice after all this time. God doesn't do that. But let me, before I go on to the second point, let me just flip this, though. Chuck the next slide up, because I don't ever want us to be the sort of people in the sort of church that make this mistake, that we're only people that call on God in our distress, but overlook Him in our success. This, to me, this is a sort of attitude that just says we take God for granted. And, and all he is is our emergency rescue operation when we get in trouble. And let's be the sort of people that have a sense of urgency and a sense of desperation for God at all times in our success and, of course, in our distress. And the second reason I think God allows us to occasionally be in challenging seasons that are more than we can handle is that it's in those seasons that we, like Jonah, experience his power. See, <laughs> the big takeaway from today, it, it, it could be easy to think that all we're doing for these first four weeks of January is just marking time until we get to the good stuff, right? This is just like trivia, you know, when you get to play Bible Trivial Pursuit which unfortunately is really a game you can purchase. Don't do that. Um, when you play that and someone says, oh, you know, did God really say? And you go, uh-uh-uh, no. Mark Pomery told me that God didn't say that. And you get to move your little square along three places. It's not the point of this at all. See, the point of this is some incredibly powerful life truths when we realize what God didn't say, but then understand what God did say and what God wants of us from what he did say. And uh, if you take away nothing else, even though I know there's just 30 minutes of profound profundity, those two words are meant to go together. Um, Reese, do you like that? Profound profundity? Pretty profound. Um, if you don't take away anything else, I, I, I hope you take this away. The, the revelation and the, and the understanding that 
not only does God give us or allow us to experience more than we can handle. Because, because, and it comes with the promise that he doesn't expect us to do it on our own. That we would be grade A village idiots if when we go into a challenging season, we try to do it on our own. It's like, the biggest face palm moment in history. If you realize God does allow it, God promises to not abandon us during it, and yet next time we're in a challenging season, or some of you are in one now, you still decide to go through it on your own, face palm. Scotty, face palm. Because we can experience his power. Paul, writing to the same church, different letter, was writing to them, and he's writing to them, included in his letter, about a handicap that he had. Now, different uh, versions of the Bible, different translations describe this differently, but let's call it a handicap. What we don't ever know is what the handicap was, okay? And, and, and real smart Bible theologians continue to debate what it was or what it wasn't. We don't know, okay? What we do know is he had one. We don't know what it was, but we know that he had one. So let's talk about what we do know. Paul had a handicap, which absolutely, again, this is Paul. Paul, y'all, he was like the, 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 the leader of the pack. He was like the, the, the dominant figure in the early church. He was the one going around starting a church here, starting a church there, starting a church everywhere. Boom, 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 boom. Raising up leaders, releasing them, setting people up. Go, 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 talking about Jesus. He was the man. And so the th thinking is God won't give you more than you can handle, especially if you're the man. Because if you're the man God, in God's will, then you only get the good stuff. You don't ever get the bad stuff. And yet here's Paul, poster boy for being right in the epicenter of God's will, hustling around doing God's will, but yet having a handicap. And so he did what any normal person would do. He did what you'd do. He did what I'd do. He started praying to God, can you take the handicap away? It's, it's a problem. It's a handicap. I don't like it. And by the way, if I put my marketing and PR hat on, I tell you right now that Paul prayed, take the handicap from me, and God went, no worries, mate. Boom, gone. And you do that too. Every time you have something that's bothering you, pray to God, and I guarantee you, he'll take it away from you that very instant. That's what I'd pray if I was a marketing PR guy. But I'm not. I used to be. Because God never said that. And here's what happened to Paul. We, we, wish he, we wish he did, you know. God, just a little abracadabra my way, buddy. Hey, God, God. Oh, found a bottle. Rub it three times. Rub it. Can you take my handicap away? Yes, I will grant you this wish. No, that's not God. That's Aladdin. It's Disney. It's a fairy tale. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Paul was a super intelligent guy. He was super smart. He was a super leader. He, his job used to be killing Christians, and he was like the best at it. Whatever he did, he was the best at. 
He's the best at killing Christians. Then he became one, a Christian. And then he became the best at telling other people about Jesus. He was always the best. He was great. Given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down, chatterbox. Mm, what he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. Good, huh? <laughs> no danger then of walking around high and mighty. <laughs> yeah, I love the honesty of this. Like, first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And he told me, my grace is enough. Huh? What? Three times I did that, and then he told me, no, I'll never give you more than you can handle. No, God never said that. God said, my grace is enough. It's all unique. Paul wanted to, God to take the handicap away. God didn't even answer the question. God ignored the question and gave a very different answer. Curveball. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Well, Paul says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It's a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. And now I take these limitations in my stride and with good cheer. Mood swing. Didn't have a circumstance swing. He had a mood swing because he had a revelation of God's truth. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. Sometimes Jesus is the spotter, right? Sometimes Jesus says, you've done enough. I'll take the bar. Let's swap. I can't tell you when he's going to do which. That's not my job. And you won't be able to predict when he's going to do which. And by the way, sometimes you're going to wish he'd want to take the bar and he'd done. He just says, I'll stay spotting, keep pushing. Sometimes he says, yeah, cool, good job. This is actually beyond you, not just beyond your limits, but beyond beyond your limits, and I'll, I'll jump in. I don't know when he'll do which is which, but he does. Either way, in both settings, he doesn't leave us to do it on our own. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Guys, God will allow you to get in over your head sometimes. And you, you probably don't need to be reminded of this, but if, if you're a leader and you want to do something effective for God, you will often be confronted with more than you can handle on your own. If, 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 you're, if you're a business person and you want to be effective in your marketplace to lead people well, to influence them and to grow God's kingdom, you'll often get faced with more than you can handle. If you're a parent and you want to raise kids that love Jesus, you'll often be confronted with more than you can handle. But God didn't call you to do leadership 
on your own. God doesn't call you to go out into the marketplace on your own. God doesn't ask you to raise your kids on your own. Yeah, you will experience more than you can handle on your own. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is not to take you from never having more than you can handle. He's God's to let us know that when, not if, when we experience more than we can handle. He is there and we can depend on his presence and often more than in the good times, experience his power. Let me ask you a question. It's a question we ask pretty much every week. And the question is whether you are actually following Jesus, whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, to put him in charge. And if you haven't, in a moment, we're gonna give you that opportunity. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, just to put your hand up. And by putting your hand up, just quickly, you can put it down, but by putting your hand up, you're saying, yeah, you know what, Mark, today, that's my big decision to follow Jesus. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. We're just gonna quickly pray. So right now, with the rest of us praying, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, how about you slip your hand up right now and say, yeah, that's me. I wanna follow Jesus today. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're gonna pray. 